Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. I always, always, always praise that. And I thank God that we are alive during this tremendous, tremendous time. Uh, The last days, it is said, began with Jesus on the cross. But it seems that we are nearing the end of the last days, the end of the end. Uh, Nobody knows for sure, but... um, it sure seems that, and as much of a suffering and struggle as we're going through, dear ones, um, I feel extremely privileged to be alive at this time. The world is going crazy. Uh, the church is going. Cra- the church is not going crazy. Um, let me repeat a statement that I love from Frank Sheed, an apologist of the last century. Um, Sheed and Ward, Frank Sheed and Maisie Ward got together and wrote many books, and they're fantastic. Um, And Frank Sheet said that the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not measured by their response. I always repeat that because it's a bit of a tongue twister. The church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its, the church's holiness, is not measured by our response. You see? So when it looks like the church is going crazy, no, it's the members of the church, the people of the church that are going crazy uh, in in losing the faith. We're in a time in apostasy where uh, our Blessed Mother and the scriptures have predicted that the faith will be lost even among the shepherds and the leaders, uh, bishop against bishop and all of that. Um the faith is not being taught. It's not being believed. In few cases it is, but it's it's getting fewer and fewer. And I sit here hurting for those who who fear, for those who argue against the true faith because they've never been taught and they don't know what it is. Um, I grieve for that, but I am I'm a happy camper. I'm I feel like the most privileged person in the world to know Christ, to have the faith, to love, uh, to strive daily, though I fail daily for sure, I strive daily to live the faith and to help others to know and live it. I have no reason to exist other than that. Um, And so um, uh, that's why I am filled with hope. Nothing can destroy hope. And the way that we have hope is not an emotional trick. It's not uh, a hype. It is knowing the faith. Deep knowledge of the faith brings hope. You know uh, what you believe. You know whom you believe, St. Peter said, and that he's able to keep what he began in you until the last day. Um, We have been reading, and I'm going to continue today, um, 
the day of Pentecost, um, magnificent article written by Father Francis Xavier Weninger in 1877, published this week in Regina Magazine, R-E-G-I-N-A. Look it up, beloved, Regina Magazine. You can get a subscription to it online. I have that. It uh, costs nothing. They're always grateful for donations because they have to exist and pay their bills, but it, it's it's free and it is the true faith. And the article I'm reading on the day of Pentecost, Whit Sunday, um, uh, talks about the way we here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, celebrate Pentecost. It's an eight-day first-class octave. It began Sunday. It, it is the birthday of the Church. It's the fulfillment of all God promised uh, to his people, that he would send out his spirit. They didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. Uh, that was a person. The Trinity wasn't revealed um, until Pentecost, the God the Father through the Old Testament, but the Son at the Incarnation and the Spirit at Pentecost. And if you go back through the Old Testament, now that you know that God is three persons in one God, one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, and he exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, if Once we know that, we can go back through the Old Testament, and we can see, we can see them. We can see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, identify. But until the revelation of the Trinity, we did not know that. I've met people that didn't know the Trinity existed in the Old Testament, you see? But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never, ever changes. And so we are celebrating here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, um, the Feast of Pentecost in its fullness, which is an eight-day octave. Every single day of that week is first class. And this beautiful article, um, which we began two days ago, um, was it two days ago? I think on Friday... You know what? I'm not even sure. But we were we uh, began discussing how the how God poured His Spirit out on the Jewish people. Thousands of them gathered for the feast of Pentecost, their feast. Everybody says the feast of Pentecost is the birth of the church. It is the birth of ch- the church because God poured out His Spirit on Israel at the f- at the feast of weeks, the harvest. Um, um, on the birthday of Judaism, Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is 50, and it was celebrated f- uh, seven weeks plus one day after the Passover. Seven times seven is 49, and one is 50. And so the Jewish people had been instructed to celebrate Pentecost. It's the Greek word for the Hebrew Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks. It's the Feast of their harvest, their wheat harvest. And they needed to be up in Jerusalem for that. And they also celebrated um, the rejoicing over the law, Simchas Torah, the law that God gave to Israel on Mount Sinai. And so again, um, uh, it was the rejoicing over the law on Sinai. It was uh, 49 49 days, seven weeks and one um, after the celebration of the 
um, of the Passover and the reason and the birthday of Judaism. So those three things are just magnificent. And that's what the thousands of Jews were celebrating in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, let me see, um, I lost my train of thought here. Um, and so they were all up there and again um, on that magnificent pe- feast called Pentecost, the Greek word for Shavuot, um, God poured out His Spirit, and the birthday of the church, of the of Israel, the birthday of the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, became the birthday of the church. Why? Because Christianity is a Jewish faith. It is the fulfillment. It is it, the Messiah who came through Israel for Israel but for every tongue and nation and people. So Christianity, Catholicism, is Judaism fulfilled through its Messiah, spread to the four corners of the world, every tongue, tribe, nation, and people. Um, And because Pentecost, through their history, occurred 49 plus 1, 50 days, that's what Pentecost means, it means 50. Um, And because the Jewish people celebrated 50 days after the Passover, they celebrated their wheat harvest. Um, We are celebrating that same feast, Pentecost, 50 days, um, uh, 50 days after the Passover, the Jewish Passover, the last Passover, which was the sacrifice of the true Passover lamb, who is Jesus Christ. Our um, Pentecost, again, is the Jewish Feast of Pentecost celebrated 50 days after our Lord Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God, was crucified. And the Jews were up in Jerusalem. They didn't know it. Very few people knew. And they came there, and the Spirit was poured out on them, and now they had the power in them to fulfill the mission that God gave them through the whole Old Testament Isaiah chapter 49 and others, to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations, Gentiles as nations, a light to the peoples of the world. And nations is not defined by physical borders, but by people people groups, ethnos. And it was a magnificent feast. Um, And again, those, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Our Lady and the disciples waiting in the upper room. And they preached to those thousands. And those thousands who um, uh, spoke umpteen languages all understood Peter in their own language. They all understood in their own language. And they went into all the world and preached the gospel. And it really was, as been said, the reverse of Babel. When the people... Uh, in Genesis chapter 11 thought they were greater than God and nothing was impossible for them. They built the Tower of Babel um, and, and no one can stop them from doing anything and God did. He confused their languages so they couldn't understand one another and the whole project was uh, fouled. And at Pentecost, he brought them together. They already had the different languages and he poured tongues on the disciples visible tongues on their heads and they began to speak and everybody there multiple languages heard in their own tongue and it was the reverse of Babel they were reunited um, in order to have the message of the gospel 
to bring it to the ends of the earth. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be back and continue. God bless you. Don't go away. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. We've been talking about the Feast of Pentecost Um, which so many people know so little about, so many Catholics know so little about, even though it was the birth of the Church. Um, We need to know how and why it was the birth of the Church. It's amazing. Um, And I've been reading through the article on Pentecost that that was printed in Regina, R-I-G-I-N-A magazine, and I I recommend them highly. going through the seven gifts um, excuse me um, of the Holy Ghost all right I want the I think we ended on the seventh gift here it is and I I won't repeat it all dear ones oh I'm always tempted to repeat everything that we've read because it picks up the context and also um, uh, those who haven't been with us for the previous program or programs can hear it, but we would never get through it, and I, I want to do that. So if you wish to hear the beginning of it, 
just go to stationthecross.com and you can listen uh, to any podcast. Uh, go to Mother Miriam Live, a Facebook page, and you can listen daily uh, to the podcast and watch them as well, or LifeSite News. So I'm going to go now to the seventh gift. It's the gift of wisdom. And all the gifts are Isaiah chapter 11. And these are all the gifts that are poured on us at confirmation. Um, and yet, <clears throat> I mentioned I've been to a few confirmations, and there are very few children of any age that truly understand what confirmation is about, what the gifts are about, what their responsibility is from this day forward. So um, I better stop digressing here. Finally, the seventh gift is the gift of wisdom, which is essentially the gift of well-ordered love to God and our neighbor, by which the Christian finds his delight in the fulfillment of the precept, which enjoins upon us to love God above all and our neighbor as ourselves. Of such love it is written that it is stronger than death. It induces us to give up all earthly joys and worldly treasures for Christ's dear sake, and whoever is aware of possessing it may well exclaim with St. Paul, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Hunger, misery, poverty, death? No, we overcome them all through him whom we love and through him who loves us. But the article goes on to say, beloved Christians, when every portion of the heart is engrossed by self, there can be no thought of faithful perseverance amid the storms and temptations of life. What weighty and all-powerful motives should on this glorious day, the birthday of our holy church, inspire us to assemble in spirit with the mother of Jesus and the holy apostles and disciples of the Lord as they awaited the descent of the divine spirit from the very depths of our hearts, let us cry out, Come, Holy Ghost, replenish our hearts with thy love, that its ardent fire may animate our souls. Banish, therefore, all aversion to prayer, and that spirit of the world which seeks our ruin. Banish from our hearts all unrest, faint-heartedness, forgetfulness of the truths of the faith, above all, the four last things which await us, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Cast from our hearts the spirit of self-love and lead us through thy sevenfold gifts to love God above all and in him all whom he has created for himself and so confirm these dispositions in our hearts that we may become and remain thy living temples, sanctified through thy love for all eternity. Amen. From the Gospel of John, um, John says, For the prince of the world cometh. Um, Our Lord says through John, For the prince of the world cometh, and in me he hath not anything. The prince of the world is Satan, but he has nothing in Christ. And if we are in Christ and living in him, then he has nothing in us, beloved. Greater is he in us than he who is in the world. 
the Church of God, <clears throat> the Kingdom of Light, celebrates today, that is Sunday, that is Pentecost, and every day for eight days, celebrates today the feast of her establishment on earth, of her birthday, for the blessing and benefit of the human race. Although, my dearest brethren, all mankind have been, since the day of creation, universally called to honor God, to love and serve him, and he has vouchsafed to them messengers to lead them to the way of salvation. There is, on the other hand, a kingdom of darkness which opposes the kingdom of light with all its powers, blinds and endeavors to destroy souls, and makes every effort to propagate propagate the kingdom of evil. The prince of the realm of light is Christ. The prince of the realm of light is Christ. The ruler of the region of darkness is Satan. The latter is fittingly styled by the fathers of the church, the ape of God. And daring to look with an envious eye upon the honor which belongs to the Lord, he seeks to attract a similar homage to himself, knowing well that God works in the most efficacious manner to attain the end for which he created man. Satan tries to imitate him in his plans, not for the welfare, but for the damnation of souls. He leaves nothing untried to accomplish this darling project, seeking continually new victims to draw into his toils, hardening their hearts and leading their souls to perdition. As the Holy Ghost seeks by the characteristic gifts which he imparts to confirm the good in all that is pure and holy, so does Satan endeavor, through gifts of an entirely opposite nature, to confirm the bad in everything vile and wicked. Today we will consider this diabolical confirmation and the seven gifts which strengthen those who receive it in everything bad. You see, he apes God. So as there's seven spiritual gifts um, that God pours out on us to strengthen us, to make us mature and adult and filled with the Spirit and bringing the gospel to the world, Satan apes that in having a demonic confirmation and turning those gifts into, um, into evil. And so Father Francis says, today we will consider this diabolical confirmation and the seven gifts which strengthen those who receive it in everything bad. That's the, who receive the diabolical confirmation in everything bad. O Mary, dearest of mothers, obtain for us grace to secure our salvation while God grants us time for the work. I speak in the most holy name of Jesus for the greater honor and glory of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the sinner, this is a quote, but the sinner, when he falls into the depths, despises, you see, end quote. These are the words of the Holy Ghost. And it is the constant aim of the evil one 
to drag him into such fathomless depths that at last he cares not whether he is saved or not. Not so. But it is so. That's what the devil does. Day and night goes about this spirit of malice, seeking whom he may confirm in malice. Yet do not lose courage, beloved in Christ, even though he should induce you, even though the devil should induce you to sin, call upon God, repent, and you can regain what you have lost. But to prevent this, the devil will try to ruin you with his seven vile gifts, entirely different to those of the spirit of life. Okay. Oh, I hate to start. I'm going to start so you can get a taste of this. The first gift of the Holy Ghost is fear of the Lord, which casts out all other fear, save that of offending God, and confirms the Christian in all that is good, leads him on to the practice of every virtue, and brings him at last to eternal life. Now, what course does Satan pursue? to confirm and strengthen the sinner in malice. He first seeks to persuade him that sin is only a pardonable weakness, so trifling indeed that unless temporal loss is connected therewith, it is not worth even a thought. He he fills his heart with human respect so that a craven fear makes him prefer displeasing God to offending man. Woe to the unhappy being to whom Satan bestows this disposition, for they are confirmed in malice and sin. The second disposition of the soul which leads to salvation is fervor in prayer, union with God, a perpetual remembrance of his holy presence. Satan strives to animate the soul with feelings the very reverse, until prayer becomes so distasteful to man that at last he entirely neglects it, does not even think of God, but like an irrational animal, goes through the world caring only for the companionship of men as wicked or perhaps more so, as wicked or perhaps more so than himself. Woe to the wretch! who lives in this total neglect of prayer, for he is confirmed by Satan in his service, probably forever. These are scary, beloved. The third disposition of the heart, which assures us of perseverance in virtue, in knowledge, I'm sorry, the third disposition of the heart, which assures us of perseverance in virtue, is knowledge that heavenly knowledge which teaches us that our eternal salvation and the most fitting means to attain it should be kept constantly in view as the most important and only really essential affair for the faithful child of the church and for every man on earth. But Satan seeks to ensnare him in the net of earthly desires and schemes even as the spider keeps the fly moving its little feet and wings until at length it could move them no more. There's the music for our second break, beloved. And when we come back, 
We will take your calls, your emails, your texts, our toll-free number to call in, one 5483 with anything on your heart. We'll be right back. Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I'm a widower, parent of three almost adults, and listen to you guys around the clock. Father McTigg, Society of Jesus, he's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things that Station of the Cross does. So thanks very much for your great work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started. And I was so excited, I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Husbands, have you ever worried about the risks to your wife's health from the birth control method she's using? Why not learn a natural method of family planning that is 99% effective in postponing pregnancy and causes no risks to your wife's health? Find all the information you need for natural family planning classes or the home study course from the Couple to Couple League website at www.ccli.org or call 513-471-2000. Jesus 911. Now, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm a retired Los Angeles cop. I'm a Catholic lay evangelist. My show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911, where you got three retired LA cops, Ruben Nava, Eddie Chavez, talking about the Catholic faith and teaching you spiritual warfare, how to defend yourself against the devil, the world, and the flesh. Catch the Soul Patrol. Jesus 911. 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. On the Station of the Cross, the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour. It's my favorite time to take your calls and your emails and your texts. Our toll-free number, whatever's on your heart, it does not have to be what we are talking about. <clears throat> the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And the toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at do we have Edward on the phone? Hi, Edward. Hello, Mother. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I'm doing well, very you well. You don't sound it. <laughs> it's um, I'm just a little bit tired. I've been waking up very early and going to sleep very late. Why are you doing that? Well, I wake up in the morning and I like praying my rosary. And when I wake up, and it takes me a long time to get my prayers in during the day because I'm always trying to get figure out how to incorporate more prayer. Mm-hmm. And what time? Why do you go to bed late? 
Because I'm praying late. Because you're praying late? Well, you know, I don't know what you're doing in between going to sleep and getting up, but um, God would have us to pray from a healthy body if we can, and he would have us get a proper amount of sleep each night. And so, you know, I, I envy those people who only need four hours, but most people need seven or eight. So, dear Edward, I would, I would say God might be more pleased with you if you get the right amount of sleep, and then you will still pray, but you will not be um, tired and down, and it'll affect your thinking, it'll affect your, your mood and, and everything you do. So I'm taking you on a conversation here, but that's not why you called, sweetheart. Why did you call? I wanted to ask you a question about scrupulosity. Yes. And what is the question, honey? So I think I have scrupulosity because I was in vice for a long time. And mm-hmm. when I finally got out of the vice, it, it, all my, every single sin I ever committed, it got shrunk down. And I was very happy about it. But even that little bit of sin that's still there, it always frightens me. And every, now every time I go to, to Mass... I'm afraid to receive communion because I do not want to commit a sacrilege. So it's mainly thoughts that I have, whether it be lustful thoughts or blasphemous thoughts. So how do I know when to receive communion? Okay. Do First of all, if you can get a book, Edward, it's called Scrupulosity and the Saints. And you will read of great saints who suffered with scrupulosity. I think it'll be of great help to you, a great encouragement. So can write that down someplace. Scrupulosity and the Saints, a good book. Do you have a spiritual director, Edward? Um, I mean, the only person, I, the main people I talk to is mainly my dad and my priest whenever I go to confession. Okay. How old are you, honey? I'm 13 now. I turned 13 recently. Yes, I know. I know we've spoken before. Um I would love you to ask your priest, uh, either if, if you are comfortable with him, to be your spiritual director and meet with him at least monthly, if not more often, apart from confession. I think you, or to recommend a spiritual director to you. <clears throat> I think you need a good spiritual director. Scrupulosity is a great... Uh, suffering. It's a great suffering, Edward, and I think uh, someone needs to help you with that so you don't live in a constant state of guilt and pain. Um, I think you need to ask your priest if you're comfortable with him or to to get a spiritual director who's a holy priest. Um, And have you ever made, probably not, you're so young, a general confession of your whole life, um, I've tried. I've, I've tried many. I tried many times, and I, it, I, it was a long time before I realized that, um, like, there's such a thing as indirect absolution. Which, when, I mean, there have been times I when I was so afraid too. I was afraid I had to go to confession and confess every single sin I'd committed in my entire life, and I was afraid. But I did confess probably every sin I could remember. All right. And when you say indirect absolution, you mean when the priest absolves you, it includes those sins that you don't remember, right? Yes. Okay. Um, If you go, not normally to confess, and once you've confessed a sin, you don't need to confess it again. 
if you feel the need to confess it again, then you need a greater understanding of confession and the spiritual life and the fact that the devil will bring these things up to you the rest of your life. It's not of God. Um, But I think you should arrange a general confession, not in the confession line, a separate time with the priest, and not be concerned or scrupulous about what you remember and what you don't. Don't do that. Just go and let him help you through it. The first time I went for general confession, um, I said to the priest, what do we do? Where do we start? What? He said, just start. Just start anywhere. Uh, you know, think back your whole life and uh, just begin. And he said, I'll stop you and ask questions if I have any. And so that's what I did. I, I just didn't stress over it. I told him what I remembered, and then he'd stop me if I told him I did something, and he said, well, did you also do that, or then did it lead to that, you see? And so I was able to confess sins that I never would have remembered or thought of. So I think you need a very good, holy, mature priest who can take you through a general confession, help you through it. And when you leave that, you need to be confident that you are totally forgiven of everything and you never need to forgive, ask for forgiveness over and over and over and over again. However, if it bothers you tremendously and you can't receive communion or you're, you walk around feeling guilty uh, and you need to confess it again, then you will. You'll just say, Father, I have confessed this already, but it's still on my heart and I want to tell God again how sorry I am. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong, sweetheart. Um, I would remember what James says, that temptation is not sin. When we, our thoughts are not sin. It's only when we conceive it truly in our heart. You know, if someone says when a man looks on a woman to lust for her, um, to look on a woman and appreciate her beauty and be even slightly tempted um, is not a sin. But to then go into a scenario where you picture being with her or, you know, or you, that sort of thing, then sin has taken hold of your heart and then you confess it. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know what you pro, things you're prone to at 13. I don't know um, your, your struggles and I don't ask you to say them over the air at all, dear one. But um, I would just go to a good priest who can be your director and take you through a general confession and assure you that the um, uh, the efficacy, the effectiveness of your confession has not anything to do with your feelings. Do you know, Edward, that when you confess something, when the priest says, I absolve you, do you know that it's Christ saying that, not the priest? Do you know that? I did not know that. Uh-huh. Um, it's the same thing at Mass, sweetheart. When the priest says, when he holds up what is bread and water, that little round wafer, and he says, he pronounces the words of consecration over that bread and water, and he says, this is my body, it's not the priest saying it. It's Christ, the high priest, saying, this is my body, through the human priest. 
He uses the human priest as his instrument. But if our faith could understand what our, uh, if our eyes could see what our faith would understand, we wouldn't see the priest because Christ is both the priest and the victim. And it is Christ, just like he said at the Last Supper when he picked up the bread, he said, this is my body and bread obeyed. That's what happens at the Mass. The priest picks up the bread, but it's Christ who says, through that priest, this is my body, this is my blood, and bread and wine obey and become his body and blood. It's that way, Edward, in the confessional. You're confessing your priest, your sins, to Christ through a human priest, but it's God that you're confessing to through his um, uh, adversary on earth. And when the priest says, I absolve you, it is Christ speaking to you, Edward, through that priest. Because, you know, if, if I thought it was the holy enough, uh, holiness or sinfulness, either way, of a priest who's going to determine my sins and my forgiveness, forget it. It's not based on the priest, his holiness or his sinfulness. He could be in mortal sin and say, I absolve you. And it is God who speaks those words. That's why we can trust being forgiven. That's why we can trust that the Eucharist, the host, is truly Christ, because it has nothing to do with the state or intelligence or understanding or kindness or holiness of the priest. It is Christ we confess to, and it is Christ who says, I absolve you. Does that help at all? It does. Because otherwise, sweetie, you're going to, you know, maybe the priest didn't fully understand me. Maybe I didn't confess enough. Maybe I left out a detail. I still feel bad. Why do I feel bad? I probably wasn't honest enough. Don't do that because you, you really, it'll drive us crazy. Just know that when you confess, you are confessing to Christ. And when you hear the words, I absolve you, it is Christ absolving you. And my suggestion is not to go face-to-face. You can, but to go behind the screen. And just know that you are talking to our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I do stress about things a lot. Um, Well, that's what scrupula... Go ahead, honey. Very difficult, because I'm always trying... I'm, I'm always... I just... Every Sunday, I'm always contemplating, should I go receive communion or not? And it's still very Well, trouble. God wants you to receive community, uh, communion, the medicine of immortality. People say, well, I'm too sinful, I can't receive. That's why God wants us to receive. Because the c- communion, the Eucharist, is for sinners. Christ came for us. And it is the medicine of immortality. It is what heals us. He is what heals us. Are you able to give me any kind of example of why you would be afraid to go up for communion? And I don't want you to reveal anything over the air that's not, you know, that you shouldn't, but any sort of example? Well, well, um, Arius, the bishop, a bishop prayed that he wouldn't receive communion, and um, before he went to the cathedral, He went to the toilet, and he died on the toilet. Yes. Um, And also, I believe that Christ is there. 
You you believe what, honey? I believe Christ truly is in in in, in the Ukraine. He is, sweetheart. He is. Um, don't take that example. Take for that example that God takes sin seriously, just like Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira in Acts chapter five were struck dead on the spot simply for lying about the price of their house. God wants us to know that he takes sin seriously. Do you know the difference between a venial and a mortal sin? A venial sin is a sin that doesn't totally separate us from God, but a That's mortal right. sin does. Yeah, and, and what's required for a mortal sin to be mortal? It must be grave, it must be with full awareness and, and deliberately done. Okay, there you go. And if your sin does not meet those three requirements, then you should take communion. Thank you, and Mother. if it does, but you've already confessed it, you can take communion. You can honor God by taking communion. Um, I tell you what, sweetheart, um, there's the music for our break. Uh, do me a favor and call Father Hugh Barber. He is the chaplain of Catholic Answers. He's a Norbertine. He was my spiritual director in California. Father Hugh Barber at Catholic Answers. Tell him I suggested you call him. And then get the book, Scrupulosity uh, and the Saints. Hi, this is Jim Wright, president of the Station of the Cross. Thank you to everyone who donated to our on-air appeal. Because of your generosity, we are over 90% of our spring appeal goal. And if we reach our goal by the Feast of Corpus Christi on June 6th, a generous benefactor will give us an additional $20,000. If you were not able to support the on-air appeal, please help us now and receive our great spring appeal gifts. With your support, we'll be able to reach our goal and continue to provide you with the very best in Catholic programming. To make a donation, call 1-877-711-8500 or visit thestationofthecross.com. Use the donation page of your iCatholic Radio mobile app or return the envelope from one of our mailings. You can also view our giving levels and spring appeal gifts by visiting thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for helping us continue to be a voice of truth. And may God bless you and your family. Each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live. It is Christ's church. He will build it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it's time for us, the remnant, to step up and do everything we can. Tune in from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern for Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross and our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can also watch the video stream every day on Facebook or on YouTube. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McClain, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and you still have time to call in a good 10 minutes um, at toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I'm guessing Edward is no longer on the line. Is that right? Edward, are you... Th- okay, that's good. Uh, and dear Edward, um, because I said what I said at the very end of the... Uh, just before the break, I wanted to repeat what I said to you. Um, that one, to get the book, uh, Scrupulosity and the Saints. And um, <clears throat> and if you would call Father Hugh Barber, B-A-R-B-O-U-R, the chaplain of Catholic Answers. Um, I'm not sure if he is still the chaplain. There might be another priest there as chaplain. Um, but call Catholic Answers. Um uh, Father Hugh Barber was there for quite a while. They may have uh, switched priests. They're Norbertines. Um, but give Catholic Answers a call and ask to speak to the chaplain. Tell him that I suggested that you call uh, to speak with him. Okay, um, he, hopefully, uh, I think he might be able to help you further. God bless you, dear one. <clears throat> um... Uh, Okay, we have an email from Emerald who says, Hi, Mother. Uh, My niece, a 29-year-old lukewarm Baptist, lives in California. What book do you recommend to guide her in selecting a potential spouse? I'm hoping the book resource would also attract her to Catholicism as well as provide solid advice on being single and looking for a husband. Well, Emerald, um, I'll recommend a book right off the bat, uh, so to speak. It's by Dr. Alice von Hildebrand, von Hildebrand, and it is called, um, I think it's Letters to Brides, uh, either Letter to a Bride or Letters to Brides. And these, the letters are for those wanting to be married, and also uh, into their marriage as young brides. But I would say uh, you don't want to, to give your lukewarm Baptist niece a book on how to find a good spouse. You could do that, but she needs to be Catholic. She needs to be Catholic. Otherwise, she'll be married, and she'll be practicing contraception, which is grave, grave, grave sin, because Protestantism doesn't teach that. You want to put her soul before her happiness or marriage. And so if she's lukewarm Baptist, she doesn't care very much for Christ. And I would give her a book of um, maybe conversion stories, uh, Catholic conversion stories, um, that may help her uh, toward that. Let me just think of what I'm, a book that I'm thinking of. Um, one of them is Patrick, uh, Patrick, um, um, oh my goodness, I can't dare forget his name. The whole world knows his name, um, who wrote, uh, who edited Surprised by Truth. Patrick Madrid, my goodness. Patrick, if you hear this, I'm so sorry. I love you. You had such a, a major role in leading me into the Catholic Church before we even met. So Patrick Madrid called Surprised by Truth. Um, 
I think, personal conversion stories. I would give you Fundamentals, uh, Fundamentalism and Catholicism by Carl Keating. It's the best book that's ever been written to compare fundamentalist Baptist beliefs with Catholicism, totally based on scripture and false uh, understandings. Um, but she, if she's lukewarm, she may not be interested in that kind of apologetic reference. Um, so surprised by truth, um, I get conversion stories. Um, uh, oh, I, there's so many books. Um, born fundamentalist David Palmer, born fundamentalist, born again Catholic. That would be a good one. Born fundamentalist, born again Catholic. You could also get Scott and Kimberly Hans. Um, Rome, sweet home, but again, they were very fervent in their faith, in their uh, Protestant faith prior to becoming Catholic, so your uh, niece may not be up to that, I don't know, but I would say, because she's lukewarm, you need conversion stories are easy to read, they're not a scholarly study necessarily, um, and they can mean very much, uh, they can help very much, um, but I would speak to your niece about her need to be Catholic, and perhaps the reason God would keep her as a lukewarm Baptist from finding a, a spouse is because she needs to be in the Catholic Church, the Church our Lord established, and then she will find. She won't have worry about selecting a potential spouse. She'll leave it to the Blessed Virgin to bring her the husband God wants her to have. <clears throat> We have an email from Gloria who says, Hello, dear mother. I recently gave birth to child number eight. Praise God for all his blessings. Indeed, Gloria, it's wonderful. Through social media, friends and family, um, yeah, have, through social media, friends and family have congratulated my husband and I on the birth of our daughter. I don't know what my response should be when people share their admiration for our family and go on to volunteer their list of reasons why they are not open to life themselves and have made decisions to sterilize their marriages. Oh dear. Sometimes these are practicing Catholics. For instance, I just had an acquaintance say to me that her husband is much older than her and she had some complications during her pregnancies. Therefore, her circumstances did not require her to seek confession since she had, quote-unquote, permission from the church. I don't know what she's talking about. The church would never give such permission. I felt so much sorrow for this family and often feel as people are telling me they have killed themselves when they tell me of a permanent sterilization. Um, let me just respond to that before going on to your next paragraph. Um, you should know what to tell people when they... Um, give you a list of reasons that all fall into mortal sin. It has nothing to do with how many children you have. It has nothing to do with your physical situation or your marriage. It has to do with their life with God. And all you need to tell them is, if they have made a decision to sterilize their marriage to begin with, they have broken their marriage vow to be open to life. They have broken their vow to one another before God. That's number one. They are committing mortal sin. Again, because they, um, especially if they think they're practicing Catholics, 
and you tell them that there's always a way and the church has a way it's called natural family planning and all that does is regulate births according to the woman's cycle and if we keep track if one keeps track of her uh, cycles uh, and the rhythm of her body then she can they can avoid intimacy during that one week out of the month in normal cases and avoiding intimacy uh, they can increase their times together during then they could read a book during that time they could say prayers during that time but they need to refrain from intimacy um, if they do not want uh, a child during their most fertile times and the church allows that for extreme conditions financial issues health issues other serious serious matters so they need to know the church's teaching and if they tell you they have confession it's not required to see confession i don't know where they got permission from the church the church does not give permission for that so just say to her where did you get that permission i want to read it oh well my priest told me well your priest is wrong you you need to ask him where he got that information so we're not going to have time, Gloria, to continue um, your email, but we'll pick it up first thing tomorrow. Okay, God bless all of you. Live for God with all your hearts. We'll speak with you tomorrow.